Amen. Let me welcome you to Landmark. Uh, we're so thankful you're here. I know it's sort of a wild day out there weather-wise, so I appreciate you coming to be with us this morning. Um, I want to thank all of you for your, pri- your prayers and uh, support during the, the birth of our, our granddaughter. She came a little bit early with quite a few little complications, but I'm glad to report to you that she is doing really great now. She's at home, and uh, we are just blessed by the way God has answered our prayers. Her name is Lila Bell Holt. Now, there is a debate in our family as to whether she will go by just one name, Lila, or a double name, Lila Bell. Could you guess which way I lean? Lila Bell. So I would really appreciate it when they come to visit if you would help tip the scales toward Lila Bell. All right? Just say that with all of your might. You know, last week, I know you were so blessed. We, we truly are blessed to have Andy Johnson here with us, aren't we? He's a great addition to our church. And uh, Andy revealed so many things to us last Sunday in the passage from Ephesians 4. He also revealed to us that he's not this guy. And um, you probably thought he was. I want to show you, I'm going to reveal today who he really is. Okay, so let me show you the picture of who Andy Johnson really is. (laughs) Anybody know this guy? Walter White from what? How many of you watched that show? You need to walk forward at the end of this. Okay, it's a pretty rough show. But I, mean, I want to prove my point. Show, they just aged him a little bit. So show the picture of Andy now. There we go. Which all goes to prove Landmark will accept anybody. We've even accepted Walter White. Well, thank you for God blessing us with such a great co-minister there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up out of reverence for God's Word. We're going to read from Ephesians 3. It's a great passage we're going to study today, and I want to read this passage to you as we begin. Paul says, when I think of all this, excuse me, I'm reading from the wrong passage, Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me. I'd hate to have to change my sermon right here on the spot. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I'd like a change of word there that I think would be appropriate. Live no longer as the Americans do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words may be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage, anger, harsh words and slander, 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen? You may be seated. This morning, as we look at this passage, the theme I hear from this passage is Paul is saying to these people and saying to us today, I don't want you to be like other Americans. I don't want you to be like other Gentiles. I want you to be different. And today we're going to look at three simple questions. In what ways should we look different? What about my life should be different than people around me? Why would I want to be different? And third, how does this actually happen in my life? Let's start with the what. You may have noticed as we're going through this passage that Paul is making a list of good things and bad things. I call them the do's and the don'ts. Show those on the screen if you would. Paul's given us a list of behaviors. Now, he gives that list of don'ts. He, he, he lists lustful thoughts, greedy thoughts. Then he does all these parallel statements. Now, I, I want you to notice here that there is a list of do's and don'ts. Today, I'm afraid that many of us don't really believe that. And, and we think because we're in Christ and we're free in Christ and because of grace, it really doesn't exist. And often, our lives don't reflect this. And so today, Paul specifically says, here's the kind of behavior I want you to have in your life, and here's the kind of behavior you shouldn't have in your life. Now, here's the truth that we've got to deal with today. It's very difficult to deal with. According to every study of Americans and every study of Christians, our behavior doesn't look different than theirs. If you study addiction rates, divorce rates, pornography rates, you name it, they're almost the same, which has got to be heartbreaking to God. That's what he says in this passage. Now, why is our life not different? Now, let me, let me give a couple of answers here that are actually going to sound on surface to be contradictory. One reason is maybe because we've de-emphasized the do's and don'ts. Maybe we came to a point where we're really not believing there are do's and don'ts. I'm shocked by the conversations that I have, not just with young people, but with people of all generations who really don't believe in some of the don'ts of Scripture, who, 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 who in other ways may, may act to be faithful Christians, but when it comes to sex outside of marriage, it's obviously they believe that God really didn't mean that. Or you get in discussions with people about language, you'll say, oh, there's really not a bad language and a good language. They're just words, and you can define them any way you want. So maybe we've slipped because we've not emphasized these do's or don'ts. Well, we may have also, go back to the list if you will on the screen. We, we may also have slipped because maybe we've overemphasized the rules. That sounds contradictory, doesn't it? Here's what I want you to see from this passage. If all you see is rules in this passage, you're going to be in trouble. So would I be. Because when you just overemphasize the rules, number one, it doesn't attract people. I mean, the problem with a lot of people out there in the world today, and why they're not in here with us this morning, is because they think that's all Christianity is about. You just become a Christian, you can't do these things, and you got to do these things. It's just living this miserable straitjacket. But even beyond that, just a list like you see right here won't change you. It's not transformative. You, you see, you've got to have more than just rules. The Apostle Paul says in another letter, he says in Colossians, he said all these rules about don't touch and don't drink and don't do that, he says, in fact, all they do is feed the human nature. And so, for instance, if you were to walk out in the foyer this morning and one of the walls out there had a big sign on it that says, wet paint, don't touch, what do you immediately want to do? Touch. Because sometimes rules actually turn us the other way. 
And you've probably experienced what I've experienced. Just giving myself a set of rules doesn't change me. That's why New Year's resolutions have become so worthless to so many people that you've even stopped having them. Why? Because you just say, I want to start doing these things this year. I don't want to do these. And now here we are by April, and you've dropped it all. So I want you to understand this morning, there are rules. There are do's and don'ts. But if that's all you see in this passage, the what's, you, it won't happen. You won't connect the dots, and your life won't be changed. That leads us to the next question is why? Because I, I think what Paul is saying here is you've got to see the whys below the what's. Look at a couple of the passages. First of all, verse 20 there. He says, that's not the way you learned about Jesus, to behave that way. What's he doing? He's connecting their behavior to their relationship with Jesus. And, and then by the end of the passage, he throws a really curveball when he talks about when you behave this way, you grieve God. Don't grieve God, verse 30. Don't break his heart. What's he saying? When I begin to practice these things God tells me not to practice, it actually hurts God. So what is the why behind the what? I hope you'll take notes this morning because at the end you're going to need your notes to apply this lesson, okay? What is the why? Let me give you two whys here. I have a loving relationship with Jesus, all right? This is what changed so differently from the God who seemed to be above us who gave the Ten Commandments. To the God who came among us and said, here, guys, what I'd like to really be is I'd like to be your friend. I want you to have a relationship with me. Because you know what? We found out through the Ten Commandments that's not good enough. You've got to have this relationship beneath it. In fact, Jesus put it this way. If you love me, you'll what? You'll keep my commandments. Uh, If you really want to be obedient, then beneath all this list of what's is, I really love God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Genesis 39, where Joseph, you remember, had been sold into slavery. And he becomes mega successful. And so Potiphar begins to give him more and more power. And finally, he puts him over his whole household. And one day, he's inside the house, and the only person there is Mrs. Potiphar. What do you know about her? She's a sort of loose woman. And so she comes up to our man Joseph and says, would you go to bed with me? Really pretty smooth move there. Would you go to bed with me, all right? I'd like to sleep with you, some translations say. Now, if you read the whole story, Joseph says no. I'm not ever convinced that Joseph wasn't attracted. Here's a powerful woman who wants him. He's in a foreign culture where nobody shares his values, like growing up in America today. Nobody would really think he would be wrong. But then finally, he gives his bottom line answer of why he's not going to sleep with this woman. He says, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? What's his answer? His answer is, I'd I'd like to do this, but I can't do this because I love God so much. I can't do this, not against you, not even against your husband. I don't want to do this, but I certainly don't want to do it against God. God does have some rules, and this thing is one of the things labeled as wicked, and I don't want to break the rules because I don't want to break the heart of God. And my friends, you'll only stop breaking the rules when you understand breaking the rules breaks God's heart. That's the why. And so, number two, the other why is I have a new identity. That's what Paul's been doing in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. He spent three chapters saying, you're a different person. You are holy. You are chosen. You're redeemed. You're saved. You're my masterpiece. And we can't list the words. What's he doing there? He's saying, okay, if you want to change behavior, you've got to change identity. 
I love the illustration Andy gave last week when he said, what he says to his young children is, you don't need to do that. You're a Johnson. Johnsons don't behave that way, all right? Even though their dad's Walter White, Johnsons don't behave that way. Now, what the Bible's saying to us is, you know what? That's not who you are. That kind of language, that's not befitting someone who follows Jesus. That kind of attitude of bitterness and forgiveness, is the way Jesus is forgiving you and giving you this new identity as a forgiven person, now you're going to turn around and not be able to forgive that person who's done you wrong? You've got a new identity. And sometimes I think we miss this. We say this statement, I'm just a struggling sinner saved by grace. Can I ask you a yes or no question? Is that statement in the Bible? You guys aren't very sharp this morning. Is that statement in the Bible? No. God never identifies you as simply a struggling sinner, somehow barely saved by grace. That's not who he says you are. He says you're chosen, you're redeemed, you're changed. And when we begin to see that identity, it begins to change us. So I beg you this morning, don't just see the list of do's and don'ts. Look beneath that and see the why you need to behave that way. And then one more point, and that's the how. How does this happen in our lives? Where do we get this kind of power? Listen to the message translation of verse 24. I love this. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed, pay attention to this, from the inside and working itself into your contact, conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What's God trying to do? He's trying to reproduce his character in you. How does he do it? He does it from the inside out. That's the problem with a rule-based religion. Many of us grew up in rule-based religions. I remember growing up, a popular book among us was the do's and don'ts of Christianity. Nothing wrong with it, probably accurate, but it wasn't transformative. Because if all you have is rules, all you can do is, is, is impose on your outside behavior. But it doesn't change your heart. So here's what happens in a rule-based religion. Either you get arrogant and you think you're really keeping them, and you start looking down on everybody else because you understand the rules and they don't. And you begin an arrogant spirit. And many of us have had that arrogant spirit. Or you just give up. You finally face, man, every time I come to church, I've got a new set of rules. I couldn't keep the rules from last week, more or less these rules. And so I just, I, I know good enough that I, I can't do it. And that's why we need this how. How does God change us? Let me give you a couple of points under this. Number one is the power of a renewed mind. Did you notice all the thoughts in this passage about a renewed mind and a renewed heart? You see, Paul understands that real change starts inside. In fact, we, we understand the battleground is the mind, right? How many of you battle in your mind? I do. That's where it happens to me. I, my, my thoughts sometimes are out of control. Probably the, the message series I've gotten more comments on than any other message series the last few years is the message series we did called Mind Games, where we looked at that passage that Paul said, take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And we started that series out with something that really was very revealing to me. It was a simple instruction to think about what? What you think about. And you know what? When I stopped just trying to change outer behavior and I started looking at what I think about up here, it wasn't so godly. It wasn't so full of faith. In fact, sometimes it was the opposite of faith. 
And so the challenge was, don't just try to change your behavior, begin to change the way you think. And Paul says here is that we are changed by the renewing of our mind. That's what he said also in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You know, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch the order. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove what is good and holy and pleasing to God. You notice the change here. The change starts within you, and then it works outside. As long as you try to change by outer conformity, you'll be a failure. But when you begin to let the Holy Spirit change you, now guys, I don't understand everything about this. I don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit does it, but I trust the Bible, what it says. But I do know this. You say, buddy, how do I get this power from the Holy Spirit? Remember the prayer we learned a few weeks ago from Ephesians chapter 3? He said you asked for it. You asked that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in your inner being. You don't have to understand how it's going to happen. You ask for it. You see, guys, here's our problem. We are asking for so many things that are outer things when the real battle is on the inside. And if you want to win the battle, you start on the inside with the Holy Spirit changing your mind and your attitude and strengthening you so you can say no to sin. I like, I love to listen to Tony Evans preach. And I heard him say something the other day I thought was really, really good. He said, um, here, here's, here's what the Holy Spirit does. It take, the Holy Spirit takes the rule book. That's the Bible. That's where you get the list of do's and don'ts. The Holy Spirit takes the rule book and turns it in your life into a playbook. I like that. There, there are these rules, you know, but the Holy Spirit says, let me take these things that God said to you and let me translate this into your life into a playbook. So those rules show up where you go to school. And those rules show up where you go to work. And when you get home this afternoon, how you live these things out shows up in your home. And so it starts with the power of renewed mind. The other how I see in this passion, this passage is the power of replacement. Okay, you understand what I'm saying here? I mean, if you look back to the original list that we gave, most of them he gives the opposite side. Instead of having unresolved anger, resolve it before you go to bed. Instead of having foul language, have encouraging language. Build people up. Instead of being bitter, replace it with forgiveness. Instead of being angry, be kind. Instead of being harsh with everybody around you and judgmental, be compassionate. You see, here's what you got to understand. The change in your inside is a cooperative effort between you and the Holy Spirit. You've got to walk together. He's not a bully. He's not going to make it happen. So here's what he's saying is, okay, stop doing this, but replace it with this. Here's where so many of us mess up. We think, okay, i got to live for God, and I'm going to be in trouble with God. And you could be. In fact, back on the rules, by the time we get to Ephesians chapter 5, he's going to say something we don't want to hear. He's going to say, those who break these rules will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I see something like that, and I get really scared, and I say, I've got to go and straighten my life out, and I do need to. But here's the problem. Most of us just try to stop doing things. That's why people don't want to be Christians. You know, they, they look at us, and they think, what do you guys do for fun? And what I always want to answer them is, we meditate. <laughs> I mean, that's about as good as it gets for us. No, he, he says, here you do. I mean, I love the, the vivid language here. Here's what Paul says, is you take off these things, throw them off. And then you, you put on these things, change your wardrobe. 
Because here's what I want you to see, is you're not going to change just by telling yourself, don't. In fact, that it'll be counterproductive in your life. You're not going to change by just trying to straighten your life out. You're going to only change when you replace it with God. One of my favorite passages, I think parallel to this, is Romans chapter 6. Many authors say this passage we're reading today is truly a baptismal passage. Because it talks about taking off and putting on. I like what Martin Luther said about baptism. He said, you need to relive your baptism every day. Because that old guy that you buried is a swimmer. Okay? And he's coming back up. And so you've got to relive that. Now, when he finishes that passage in Romans 6, one of my favorite verses is Romans 6, verse 11. Here's what he says. Now, here's what I want you to be. I want you to be dead to sin, and I want you to be alive to God. Do you hear that? If you believe the Christian life is just about getting the sin out of your life, number one, you're going to be miserable, and number two, you're going to be a failure. Because as long as you just try to be sin-free without being alive to God, as long as you just try to straighten your life out without getting fired up for Jesus, it's not going to work. And let me, let me say this. I'm going to say this bluntly to many of us here today. This is why lukewarm Christians don't change. Because, you know, they're, they're trying to be better, and they know they don't want to do this, and they don't want to go to hell, but they've really not given their life over completely to God. And so they end up being the most miserable people on the earth. I'm telling you what, if I wasn't going to live for God wholeheartedly, I'd rather be out in the world doing what everybody's doing. But when you put yourself in this lukewarm position where you're in between and you're trying to straighten out, but you're scared to get too fired up, I know I don't need to do these things. I need to get off the porn. I need to change my language. But, buddy, don't push me so far where I really get fired up for Jesus because then I might get radical. I'm telling you that's a recipe for failure. And that's why Jesus says when it comes to lukewarm people, I like to throw, them out of, I like to throw up about them because it won't work. And so, guys, here's the challenge here is if you really want your life to be different, then not only do you need to try to do away with the bad things, you need to get up fired up about the good things. So many of you, I'm telling you, the reason you're failing is because you're really not giving your life wholeheartedly to God. Oh, you know you don't need to be doing those things, but what are you fired up about? What are you waking up in the morning living for? Who are you trying to reach for Christ? Who are you trying to impact? Here's my challenge for you today. If you really want to change, you're going to have to replace some things. Just trying to straighten out will never work. You've got to give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord, and then he begins to change things. See, so guys, you've got to understand the why and the how underneath the what. Let me, let me share a quotation that I want to share with you. Uh, my buddy Trey Hayes has got me reading. Is it Simon? What's the last name? Cynic. I thought it sounded like a cynic, but I hated to call him a cynic. Okay. Simon Cynic writes motivating business leaders about business, and he's really pretty brilliant. And he talks a lot about the why behind the what. Listen to this quotation. I love this quotation. He's talking to people just about selling products right here, okay? But he applies what we're saying. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Let me repeat that. People don't buy what you do. You're not going to buy Christianity just because of what you're supposed to do and not do. You're going to buy it because you see the why. And then listen to this next line. It's like he's preaching. And what you do simply proves what you believe. I love that. What you do just proves what you believe. Guys, if you really believe that Jesus Christ came here for a love relationship with you, 
If you really believe what he says about you and not what Satan says about you, if you really believe that you've got the power of the Holy Spirit within you to change you, if you really believe that the best life is not just getting rid of the junk, but adding the great stuff about living for the kingdom of God, if you believe that, if you've got the why, it can show up in the what. You got my point today? Everybody, are y'all with me? You got to see the why. Now, you see the list again. There's the list we started with. There are some do's and don'ts. We may want to not believe that, but there are. Now, here's what I want us to do to close out. Because here's the way I think real change will happen. It's only when we connect the dots. I think many of us are not being transformed because we're not connecting these dots between the what, the why, and the how. So here's what I do. Get your outline out and get a pen. Let me grab a pen here. And here's, here's what we're going to do. Even if you didn't fill it out, pretend you filled it out. Make me feel better right now, okay? Just look, just look at it. Just act like it might even be there. Okay, so take your outline out, and this is what I want you to do. In fact, go, go to the next slide if you would. How do we connect the what, the why, and the how? All right, go ahead and show those connections up here. How to be different. Now, frankly, I don't even like the way I put it. Go on to the last one. I want to change this up. This is what I want to do. If we're going to really change... And you go, wow, man, I, I've got to stop being so bitter and unforgiving. Or I've got to get away from being so lustful. Man, this culture is so crazy. I can't even watch a Hardy's commercial without something appealing to me. I mean, I've got to change my language. You know, I'm so, I've got to stop being so negative and bitter. I see the worst about everything in life. And I, I need, I mean, I'm, I'm miserable right now. Okay, I'm with you. How do we change? Look at the middle of your outline. Go to the why. Which of these facts really motivate you. That's where you start. You always start with the why. I have a love relationship with Jesus or I have a new identity with you. Circle that. Circle one of those. Which one of those speaks to your heart? I'll tell you what speaks to my heart. I'm blown away that the God of heaven would want a relationship with me. I'm blown away that he loves me because he had lots of reasons not to love me. Now, go from the why and make a dot there and then go up to the what. Go back up to the what. What on this list of do's and don'ts, stop acting like they're not there. They're there. There are rights and wrongs. Which of these lists, what, what do you need to change? What do you see on this list? And circle what you need to change. Okay? So you, you got the why. You're motivated out of your mind for Jesus. You now have gone to the what list, and you know what you need to change. And now go down to the how and circle. What, what do you think is going to help you? Do you need to start with the power of the Holy Spirit and praying and asking for that, you need, maybe you need to do both. The power of replacement. You've been trying, but all you've been doing is trying to stop doing evil. And you're thinking, okay, let me start with step one and I'll just try to get these issues in my life calmed down. I'm just going to stop looking at this. I'm going to stop talking this way. And then when I finally get this under control, then I might consider really being fired up for Jesus. Listen to me. That won't work. It won't work. It's just not going to work. You've got to do them both at the same time. You've got to say, you know what? Yeah, I need to get rid of this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I want to live for God. Because here, if all you say is don't touch, you're going to be more tempted to touch than before it. But if you say, you know what? Yeah, I'll stop this stuff. But, but, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a life full of the Holy Spirit, full of Jesus, on a mission for him. My friends, if you'll connect those dots you can, you can be different. 
In fact, as Paul talks about this, how different does he think we can be? The word he would use is probably not I am different. The word Paul would use in this passage is I am new. Isn't that radical? Not just different. You can be a brand new person. So today we're about to sing. And if you need to make a move to this front row, if you need us to pray for you, because you, list, you look at that list of what's, and man, you're knocking it out. And one of the best things you can do to call Satan's hands on that is to confess it and say, you know what, I have become a pretty bitter person. Or I have been greedy. Because it's so easy in our culture to become so materialistic, and maybe you recognize that in your life. You are more about the next raise. You're more about the next purchase. You're about those things more than you are about the kingdom of God. Or maybe today the wise are hitting you. And you just, you know what, you're like Joseph. You, 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 just, you just love God. And today you need to commit your life to him and decide to follow him. Or maybe today you've got some issue in your life that we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you. Or maybe you've been lukewarm and you thought maybe even as lukewarm you could take a few steps, but it's not working. And today you want to say, you know, guys, I'm all in. Man, I want to go ahead and give my life to Jesus I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of living in between. I'm going to connect the dots. I know why I want to live for Jesus. I know what needs to change. And I actually know, because of the blessing of God, how it can change. It can happen from the inside out. So today, we're, we're about to sing. If you need to come, come just the way you are. And God will begin the transformation from the inside out. Let's stand together and sing. Just as I am without one thing, but that.